Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? It's a Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of former strangers who are now friends, who are getting to know each other and enjoying one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Trafair. And today we're going to do a little bit of recasting. Yes, we are. We're going to be recasting our Mimbari delegate to the station today. So we're going to do Delenn and Lanier. Yeah. I'm curious about this one. Yeah. I think I know you've probably seen my linear pick because we have our spreadsheet uh-huh. and I came up with my linear pick like a year and a half ago when we started this bit yeah. and I just wrote it down next to his name on the list so that we could keep track of things. So mm-hmm. it's been there even though we haven't recorded this bit for a year. So that one's probably not surprising at all, but we can start there. Yeah, let's start with to... linear. Linear is Bill Mummy in Babylon 5, who, of course, has a pedigree of being a child actor in sci-fi, mm-hmm. who then Very goes much. on to another show. And so following in those footsteps, I think Will Wheaton would make an excellent Linear. I think that that is a great call. Yeah. Um, you get the hearkening back thing. Also, Will Wheaton, just a good actor. And would have Mm -hmm. a lot of fun in this role, I think. It's different enough from other stuff I've seen him do, where I think he'd have a really fun time with it. Yeah, I think so. And we know that Will Wheaton looks good clean shaven. Of course, he is currently sporting a nice beard. Yes. Uh, But if you had to clean shave him to be a Mimbari, then he he looks good at it. Yeah, put him in some loaf for a change, you know? Let him experience the makeup chair, so that way all the razzing he's gotten at conventions about never having to do that as much. Uh, yeah. from from some of his friends gets paid back. And then also you get the fun cameo opportunity of people from Next Gen coming on the show and sure. doing guest bits yeah. like they did with his mom from Lost in Space. Yeah. Bring, bring Beverly Crusher back. Sort yeah. Of. yeah. Yeah. You know, you could do all kinds of stuff with that. It'd be really fun. So Will Wheaton, my pick for Lanier. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I was kind of going under similar lines and that I thought, you know, linear kind of has to be for me a sort of doofy white guy. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, the the whole subplot with him secret be secretly being in love with Delenn. Yeah. I was like, I need kind of a doofy white guy for that just in my brain. That's what I yeah. want. Yeah, you need and... someone who can get real excited about a Kawasaki ninja. Kawasaki ninjas rule a Kawasaki ninjas cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've already got Will Wheaton on there. I think that he can be totally a doofy white guy. So props to you for that pick. But I, I have to go with something different, right? I need to make yeah, something else I mean, else up. Yeah, that's it's our rules. You can do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Well, so I was like, well, who's another sort of actor that could pull these things off and to me i picked michael Sarah. okay <laughs> again he's done some child actor stuff and to my knowledge no sci-fi credit there certainly a very young actor i think he's about our age so that seems like the right age range mm-hmm. for what we need and of course will wheaton is a bit older than us but i think that he still carries a very useful look like he's one of those baby face kind of people especially mm-hmm. if you shave him yeah i mean he, he if you shave him give him you know maybe he might need a little hair dye at this point but yeah uh, i think he can he can pull it off 
He's so. older than Patrick Stewart was when they started filming Next Gen now. Right, right. He's older than you think. Like, if yeah. you just looked at him, you might be like, yeah, you know, late 30s, right? But he's and then it's 50, like, wait, correct? He was a TV show in 87. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think Michael Sarah can also give us the same vibe. And, you know, maybe we don't have to use the quite same level of hair dye uh, <laughs> to achieve it. But I think he, he can hit all the right notes there with that sort of awkward secret love. George Michael was getting ready for school when he came across a box of love letters he'd written but never sent. If we keep that storyline with the land and then, you know, just the sort of inexperienced young attache vibe mm-hmm. that we're going to need on Mr. Lanier. Yeah. So who would you put up as your Delenn next to your Will Wheaton Lanier? We need someone who can really carry themselves to carry a room. Mm-hmm. Someone who has a presence that is commanding yet mysterious. Someone that doesn't... The air about them is kind of unquestioned, but also a little foreign. And when I think of actresses who have these qualities, the first name that came to my mind was Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she would be really good, wouldn't she? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we kind of saw a little bit of her poise in her Star Wars role. Mm-hmm. But I maybe this would be a nice do-over for the Star Wars role, because I feel like she got kind of um, cheated a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Famously bad dialogue in those films. Right. Um, but right. she does a really good job with it, despite that. Yeah. Um, it's really a testament to her... And Ian McGregor also gets a ton of credit for this, for taking such bad dialogue and just really making it work despite itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I don't fault any of those actors for those movies. No. No. (laughs) I don't think that they were well served by a lot of choices that were made outside of their control. For sure. Oh, okay. I went a slightly different way with the Len. Okay. I remembered you saying, you know, back in season one when we had a very different look for Delenn. And especially, I think even in the pilot, we talked about how she was presented rather masculine, it seemed yeah. like. Yeah, Delenn was originally going to be a trans character who changed mm-hmm. gender while also becoming more human. Yeah. You know, the, the, the chrysalis was going to do a little bit more than just impart human quality. Yeah, yeah, I remembered that, and I thought, well, what if we leaned hard into that okay, and went with a non-binary actor? So mm-hmm. we actually have that season one or whatever of maleness, mm-hmm. and then the actor gets to completely flip in another season after the cocooning mm-hmm. and be female. And so I thought maybe Vika Ortiz... Oh, yeah, good call. Like, you know, we've, that's another HBO Max actor. Yeah. Uh, they are in Our Flag Means Death, which is... Just, I love We both I love, love that this show. show. Yeah. Yeah. That show's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I was reading on Wikipedia just to make sure. I was like, is this something that they would be game for, theoretically? Mm-hmm. And... In the Wikipedia, it said that they specifically have told their agent that they want to be considered for all roles regardless of gender. So I was like, yay, 
Okay, mm-hmm. so sounds like that would hit this box here. Wouldn't yeah. be offensive or just a, a no-go from the start. Yeah, um, for sure. I think if you're going to go down that path, especially in the reboot, you have a obligation to cast a trans actor yeah. um, or someone who's gender fluid at the very least to yeah. portray some of the more nuances of that aspect of their life in an authentic way. Yeah. And then I think you can play with the things that, you know, depending on how you want to portray Mimbari society about it or, or even human society about like gender expectations and how you being treated differently based on how you present one gender versus the other. And Mm -hmm. it's a little extra dimension you can add to stuff. So for sure. Good call. I'm riding for Vika Ortiz. All right. Well, that is our fan cast. We can get right into this episode here. We've got season four, episode nine, Atonement. The Lennon Lanier heavy episode, which is yeah. why we chose our casting the way we did. Yep. It is of note here that the movie Third Space takes place between the first and second scenes of this episode. Whoa. <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> Zach needs his uniform, but it needs to be before Delenn leaves from Mimbar. So okay. there has to be five days in between these scenes, and it's wow. where third space takes place. I don't know who figured it out exactly, but I was reading about it on Midwinter. So, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Fun. I know I've seen third space, but I do not remember anything about it. Yes. Um, much like this episode, I did not remember much about it. We do have plans to watch Third Space, listener. We're not going in a strict chronological order here. And we'll talk about when we're going to do Third Space and uh, in the beginning, which also ties into this episode in a handful of ways. We'll talk about that when we get to the end of season four, about when all that stuff's going to happen. So it's, it's on our radar. It's just not for now. Yeah, we weren't feeling like we needed to do a strict, like, story chronological order with how we went through this show no in fact because we didn't get that we slaughtered the order in just about every metric by following hbo max's weird order and then doing just whatever we can find after that so (laughs) yeah it is what it is we open on zach getting fitted for his army of light uniform yeah, he can't get a comfortable uniform no matter what he does, right? Now, another thing with crotch down where your nuts hang is always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me an inch that I can let out there. Yeah, so I think I actually alluded to this a number of episodes ago, but there's a cameo here. The costume design department are the Mimbari fitting him. Oh, yeah, I think you did mention that. I think that's really cute, yeah. Yeah. And so all the stabbing of him with the needles and stuff while he's complaining about how his clothes never fit, it's perfect. Yeah. They finally get to have their revenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think that this continual ill-fitting uniform that Zach has a problem with is some sort of metaphor for chafing against authority? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've never thought about it like that once in my life, but mm. it makes sense. So I'm here for yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, he's not he's not great at it, right? So No. <laughs> yeah. Just a thought. 
After this, we get a scene where Brian Carpenter comes to collect the Len for the Dreaming. She asks for one more day, but she may not be able to return if it goes poorly to Fiend. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> After this, Ivanova has her green leader scarf on as she heads to a Drazi religious festival. So it seems like the greens won, right? In that last uh, Drazi election yeah. with air quotes. Yeah, she became purple leader. She took both the sashes, became uh-huh. purple leader and green leader, and told all the purples that they were greens now. So yeah. there are no purple Drazi on the station. All Drazi on the station are green Drazi. it was the other way around. I thought she made all the everybody into purples. No. Oh. I would have to go back matter. and check. She's wearing the green sash regardless. Yes. Mm-hmm. Franklin fits Jakar for his prosthetic eye, and yeah. it's bright blue. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting Andreas had brown eyes, so this is still a colored contact. He still had to wear a colored contact. I wondered about that, because I thought, <laughs> I don't feel like that man has blue eyes naturally, so... Especially uh, that blue. Yeah. This feels a lot like Chekhov's eyeball. Like, we're spending <laughs> a lot of time establishing that this eyeball can see things that, uh, if you take it out and just, like, leave it somewhere... I know it's used for a gag at one point. I don't remember uh-huh. if it has a storyline purpose outside of that. If this is all just set up for just that gag, I'm a little disappointed. But yeah. I don't know. I, I enjoy a good gag setup, but it feels a lot like we're spending some time on this for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. He, we learn he has to take it out tonight. He has to be very careful with cleaning it. And he immediately uh-huh. just like pops it out of his head and is like touching it and pops it right back in. Yeah. But of course, I mean, if you have this opportunity, is it the first thing you want to do to see yourself? <laughs> no, it's what mirrors are for. Yeah, I mean, it's not for me either. But I can, I can understand the appeal for most most people. Question. Fair, fair enough. I've had an out of body experience. I don't talk about this very often. I was young and very sick. I think I was in fourth grade, and I had a very, very bad case of pneumonia. I remember being told that I might die. Like it was a bad case of pneumonia, but I was never in the hospital. So it might've just been, (laughs) my parents had a uh, tendency to oversell (laughs) for the sake of drama. I think they probably just wanted you to like stay in bed. And so they were like, don't get out of bed. You might die. (laughs) Yeah. And I watched a ton of lost in space actually on the sci-fi channel. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I was sick and just on the couch watching TV all day for like three weeks or something. I missed I missed a school where I almost got held back. But yeah, I was very sick and I had an out of body experience where I remember looking down at my body on the couch (laughs) very vividly. Jakar's having a lot more fun with his. Yeah, I was not having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) He's like smiling as he pops that thing back in. Yeah. It's got a very, like, whitewashed, exposed, like, oversaturated, I think is the technical term. A little bit of, like, cracklies in his vision. Yeah, it's a CRT TV thing. And I have to wonder, because we're watching this on modern TVs. I have to wonder if watching this on an actual old TV or watching it on a VHS or something, where the quality degrades even further, how this actually looked. Yeah. Yeah, because it definitely looks like you, these days you're like, nah. Yeah. That ain't that ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> this is Zoom quality is better than this, and that's trash. So we're yeah. fine. Also, I, I 
you know, I rolled my eyes a little bit at the notion that you could just leave this eye somewhere and it would see other things. Cause like you would have to at least close your eye. That's still in your head. Right. Because by you'd my get double, told you'd me get really bad double vision. Yeah. Depending on how my close it is. told me you cannot, like I cannot wear my glasses because lenses that aren't on my eye are getting two different size images and it gives me headaches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how would you feel if you're looking at two completely different scenes? <laughs> I think the slight difference might be worse than the big difference. Like, I feel like holding it out and looking at yourself where it's a completely different perspective probably would be, it'd be weird. It'd be jarring, but I don't know if it'd be headache inducing compared to like holding it next to your head, next to your eye socket so that everything was just off a bit. That would probably be headache town. I have to imagine. Do you think that we had to make this a blue eye? Because other Narns, we might not have sprung for the red contacts. And so we might have some brown-eyed Narns running around. So we need to really distinguish it as a blue (laughs) eye, as a human eye. Um, It might be a color wheel thing, too. Just like the blue and the red are... Much more contrast. Yeah, than a brown and a red. Yeah. Um, His his eyes are rather dark from pictures Mm -hmm. I looked up. True. But yeah, quite possibly. I'm sure there were a handful of production reasons for it. Mostly, I just feel bad for Andreas not getting a day off of contact. Yeah. (laughs) Depending, they can be very irritating. Yeah. Especially, I feel like the colored ones are more prone to be irritating, and this would have been 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, certainly at that time, they would have been different, right? Yeah. Contacts, I feel like... The contacts I had when I was like in high school and early college are very different than the contacts I wear now. Truth. Yeah. So I can only imagine another 10 years back that it would have been even worse. We run back into Ivanova, who has clearly been at a very lit religious ceremony. She's got her cane again, like she had in that episode because her leg broke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a very nice touch. She's covered in Covered in, like, glitter. Yeah. (laughs) The Drazi know how to throw a a good time, apparently. Yeah. John is on his way to Delens, and he gets sexy ambushed. I don't know how else to describe this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. She's writing for having that third sleepover. You know, they had the, the first sleepover where she watched him. She says it was on the White Star. Mm hmm. And then they have the second one. I remember that one on Babylon 5. Yep. Now she really wants to have that third sleepover. Right, for night three. John makes a joke here about what you'll see with my drool on my pillow. My true self. That is a joke that JMS cited to the Usenets. Someone on there made that joke. And he just took it for the episode and thanked them. Yeah, nice. I mean, I know I'm a a sleep drooler most of the time, so... (laughs) I, I feel you, Sheridan. Yeah, same, yeah. <laughs> she tells John she's going to Mimbar, and it might be a while. So she mm-hmm. wants to finish this tradition before she goes. He knows something is up and chooses to not dig into it. Yeah, they're having a lot of unspoken understanding here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sheridan meets with Marcus and Franklin about Clark's propaganda war. He says, if you tell a big lie enough, people will start to believe it. Now, Aaron, our dear editor, normally I'd just say leave a drop here. But if you want to leave this audio here, 
because there will be no recovering your search algorithm, your YouTube algorithm from the thing I'm about to ask you to drop. So I'm doing a little <laughs> bit more of an explanation than I normally do. And I'm like, Aaron, drop for this reason. So this makes sense to you, listener, because this is how we do our drops when we're recording. We'll call them out and then Aaron, our editor, knows to put them in. Uh, but I'm thinking a bunch of clips of like Fox News and, you know, other right wing media sources talking about how Biden stole the election from, let's say, November 20th to what's a good arbitrary day, January 5th. Yeah, <laughs> I think that could be really funny right there. It's very timely, too. I like it. <laughs> we can we can make up a different YouTube account to ruin that algorithm. <laughs> Your call. It's a lot of work. Yeah, you yeah, still yeah. have to sit through Fox News, so I don't blame you if you just leave that in. <laughs> yeah, maybe somebody's made a highlight video already. Did you see these folders? That... <laughs> the confidential. Yeah. Yeah, they're like they're such beautiful, like leather-bound folders that have classified printed in Babylon yeah. Five print on them. That's a prop I want. I want that. I carry one of these around with me at all times. Not like this specific one. But I have yeah. like a leather bound file that fits mm -hmm. a legal pad and a pen and some extra papers that I just have on me at all times. In addition to my my notes notebook, which I think I've talked about, too, I go through mm -hmm. my notes books and with everything. I'm actually already maybe a third of the way through my new one that I got on April 18th of this year. Yeah. Solely because I'm now taking notes and recording two review podcasts. Right. <laughs> Check out last time on, listener. So I've got all my Very breaking good. bad I'm notes. I'm caught too. up now. Oh, I need, I'm not, I'm behind. I haven't edited the episode that comes out in two days. <laughs> oh no, better get on it. It's what I'll be doing when we're done talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I forgot to call out another fun prop in the previous scene mm -hmm. when they're doing the eyeball stuff. Uh, he's looking at it with a like generic hairstylist's mirror mm -hmm. that has Babylon 5 branded on the back. And I was like, I want that and I want this notebook. I need those two things. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame all the prop auctions for this show probably happened, you know, a very long yeah. time ago. I, yeah. I see the prop auctions for the Star Trek shows, you know, like six, eight months after our run where they get rid of the stuff they're not going to need for the next season. And I'm just right. like, man... If only, <laughs> if only I had all kinds of money <laughs> in the early nineties. <laughs> now, I think that that Babylon Five mirror. If I know someone with a a cricket machine who knows how to use it really well, I could probably make that bad boy. <laughs> I bet you you could. Might be able to order the uh, leather folders from someplace if you were crafty enough with mm. getting that classified print on there. I I don't know. Might have to give it a try. <laughs> Marcus and Franklin are going to go to Mars to meet the resistance. They're going to have to go the long way around to avoid blockade. That's going to take two weeks. Marcus is bodyguarding Stephen, who represents the command staff. And part of me is like, why not Ivanova here? I think you could tell mm -hmm. an interesting story with Ivanova and Marcus traveling like this instead of Stephen and Marcus. Oh. Yeah, And then also you like he talks about his credibility and how he would go himself, but he can't. And then I'm all like, yeah. oh, well, if Ivanova goes, the station will literally fall apart after three days. Yes. <laughs> It'll just mm -hmm. drift Fact. into space. So you can't leave poor Corwin without Ivanova <laughs> for this long. No. Oh, my God. 
He's, no, a I mean month? you can tell another interesting story there, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to go great for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delenn tries to peace out in the middle of the night, but Lanier is waiting at Space TSA. She didn't want to expose him to danger or her secrets, and he's like, "Fuck it, we're going." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they arrive at Mimbar at Delenn's family reunion where they are hosting an intervention because they don't approve of her interracial relationship. Yeah, they use the word purity later, like racial purity later, and it's a little awkward considering we were kind of set up this whole series as the Minbari being, like, enlightened. (laughs) (laughs) They talk a big enlightened game for people who talk about racial purity. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and they question... You know, whether she's being led by her heart or something else. Yeah. Start up the grill. We're going to steep some tea here. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. They're not by love, but on their secret arbitrary criteria, which she is going to have to guess and then appeal to. <laughs> yeah. So she has to go drink the liquid nitrogen cup. Yeah. To enter the dreaming while Lanier while going into the same room and drinking the same liquid as her, is in the Whisper Gallery. And I just have to say, that's the name of my new gay bar. (laughs) I'm I'm pivoting, (laughs) I'm changing businesses, I'm quitting my job, and I'm opening a gay bar because the Whisper Gallery is such a good fucking name. Yeah, I I like it. It feels a little timely, too, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, As they enter, Lanier's like, this isn't your first time, right? And she's all like, no, I did this as a guide for Ducat, like you're doing for me now. And we flash back to Delenn and Ducat in the Force Cave on Dagobah after it gets a makeover from an overenthusiastic middle school drama teacher who just got approval to buy two smoke machines. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of wonderful fog up in here. Right. You know, we needed some fog to go with our triangles. (laughs) Delenn flashes back to the attack that started the Earth-Mimbari War. Delenn is brought by Dukat to the Grey Council. We see them debating, revealing themselves to humanity. She quotes Valen about the unknown only being able to harm you. I think the Narn would disagree there. Uh, yeah. Regardless, Dukat shames the Council for losing the simplest of life's joy, that of the child and the closed box. This is me. <laughs> This is why I drunk order stuff online. (laughs) Sometimes I get surprises. Like a few days ago, I got a DVD of one of the worst movies ever made that I had forgot I had found a copy of online for a few dollars. You got to tell us what it is. No, no, don't look. It's terrible. You don't want to watch this movie. This isn't this isn't a so bad. It's funny movie. It's so bad. It's painful. I watched this movie in college on a lark. And it literally gave one of my best friends a hangover. He was not drinking. The movie was so bad it gave him a hangover. Well, you're supposed to tell us what we need to avoid. (laughs) You can't find it. There's one copy on Amazon for $40 right now. I found one for seven. It's it's literally just a no-name movie that doesn't exist. You can't find it anywhere. I'm glad you didn't pay $40 for it. I would have. (laughs) It's sitting on a bookcase right now just for the next time that best friend comes over. I'm going to ask him to get the thing next to it on the bookcase. Nice. Just to see his that, that's reaction. Worth it. That's worth $7. For yeah. sure. For sure. That's going to be a great gag. And he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I don't mind talking about it. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah, so we see some more like of Delenn's past with Ducat. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes her on as his mentee, and then when she becomes one of the nine on the Great Council, there's a moment in the scene where the triluminary glows in her presence, and that seems significant. Yeah, there's some reactions from some, not everyone, but some people on the Great Council. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we find out what these are very shortly, but it's clear that some of these people know already. Uh, right before Dukat spills the beans on the Mir family secret, humanity shows up and starts blasting. Hi. Anyway, I started blasting. Yeah. I like that we also call out that the soul hunters are here. It's not yeah. a soul hunter. It's a lot of soul hunters, yeah. it looks like. Mm-hmm. We know they only show up when there's going to be deaths of important people, right? Yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah. shit, it us. Bail. Yeah. And I think Ducat actually attempts to have the gun ports closed. Yeah. It's too late, though. Before humanity starts blasting. It's just too late. Yep. Ducat dies. Delenn casts the deciding vote to start genociding. And then Delenn talks to Moran. Moran? I think it's got to be Moran. I just looked up the spelling. I don't know if they actually say his name in the show. I don't remember. I don't think they did. But it's Robert Edkin Dows. Oh. He becomes a series regular in season five as Byron. This is his first appearance in B5. But he is also in your favorite video game released after 2002. He's got like 400 and something IMDb credits, and almost all of them are voice acting in video games. Oh, that's fun. It might be a bit Funny Christian did a bit of that, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I I thought about all my favorite games from like the 2000s, and he's in literally all of them. It's not always a big part, but he's in all of them. It's crazy. Yeah. Do you think he was too recognizable after that as Byron to get screen acting credits <laughs> i don't think enough people watched season five of babylon five yeah. on tnt for that to be an issue <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways it's a holy war now and delenn was right if they had reached out this all would have been avoided whoops she thinks back and can now hear ducat's last words almost clearly like she, she, mm-hmm. she's in bed. She's thinking about the dreaming. She's meditating on her time in the dreaming, and she's just like, "I've got to go back." It's just right there. Yeah, it's yeah. so close. So she so goes close. back. She drinks the liquid. Kaylin's like, "What the hell's going on?" And she's like, "You can come with. I don't give a shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just like tricks him into going in there. Yep. And so uh, it reveals that she's descendant of Valen. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Sinclair is her 20X great-grandfather, give or take a generation, assuming that Mimbari have kids every 50 years, and it's been a 1,000 years. Actually, I didn't have to do the math on this one on how many descendants there are of Valen because someone did the math for me. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's... uh, if it's if they have kids, if they have each Mimbari has two kids and they have kids at fifty years, mm-hmm. fifty years old to give a time frame of how often the kids happen, um, sure. it's not a ton. Like it's it's still a bunch, but it's not like incountable. But if you just take that from fifty years to thirty years instead, mm-hmm. you go from twenty generations since Valen to thirty three generations since Valen. And it is, it just becomes eight billion, <laughs> just like that that difference. Wow. Well, each one is more and more and more, assuming that there's uh-huh. no like 
inbreeding, everyone who is a descendant of Valen has children with someone who is not a descendant of Valen. You know, mm-hmm. so there it wouldn't actually work out like that, but it's it's interesting. Yeah, he. I think he says thousands or something, right? It, un- uncountable. Uncountable. An uncountable yeah. number. I wonder if every Mimbari with facial hair mm. is descendant yeah. of Valen. If that's a human trait that was recessive and managed to stick around. That could be cool. Yeah, There's if there was like one little thing. Yeah. That was kind of a, a telltale sign. Yeah, it's a shame that Sinclair wasn't like a ginger or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> Mimbari with weird bones or something comes like just a weird thing but i understand you want to have it it'd be a lot harder to do the uh the plausible deniability of racial purity if that was the case right if there was something obvious that you could could point to yeah i i think this is fun it does make me feel weird about you know i think you mentioned that if michael o'hare hadn't been unwell he would have stayed on the show yeah if he still had become Valen and they had had a relationship, that would be wild. <laughs> I don't know that you make Delet a descendant. Of I don't think he was going to become Valen, though, in that no. instance, right? No. Yeah. Well, and also the like, instead of Sheridan being the leader of the Army of Light, there was going to be a time jump and it was going to be his and Delet's kid. Yeah. Okay. So there's that whole yeah. side of it, too, I think. Yeah. I haven't watched the. Uh, what if on that in a long time there's a mm-hmm. there's a video online where they're at a con and jms goes into great detail about how the plot if it if sinclair would have stuck around yeah if certain things hadn't happened sure. so yeah maybe you time jump them because of before when they go back or something like you do it that way there's a couple ways you could do it without it being like weird yeah um or rather i guess making it more weird <laughs> Before is such a good tool for a lot of things. Yeah. Before has to show up if there's a reboot. Yeah. It just has to, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a good thing. Although maybe that's the thing you don't bring back because, you know, you can't do it as good. Yeah. I mean, that episode was so good. There'd be a lot of comparison to whatever was in the reboot to those episodes. And nerds (laughs) being as they are would probably not be kind no matter what you did you know i don't know that i'm going to get a chance to ask jms a question or see him at all at comic-con uh but if i, I do, do that would be the question is is there anything in original b5 that you don't want to redo because you got it right the first time mm-hmm. oh i bet he'll say all of it <laughs> <laughs> well he will he wants to do a new story but i mean i'd be curious mm-hmm. if there's like one thing in particular that it's just like i don't want to retread this because i got it perfect the first time mm-hmm. well fingers crossed for that encounter yeah i'll be thinking of you <laughs> <laughs> so she goes back with kaylin after all this and kaylin confirms that uh, he knew of the mixed blood mbari culture can't handle this shock who is this dude like, he's, like, Delenn's clan leader, I guess. Yeah, he seems maybe like important to the clan. Clan ombudsman or something, like, you know. Is he a member of the Great Council? I don't think. Or, well, they've been disbanded. Yeah. Was he? Was he? I don't, I don't know that you'd have two from the same clan. I feel like that'd be something you'd try to avoid. True, true. 
It just seems like I thought that someone expressed, I thought Lanier expressed that this was Grey Council's knowledge. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe it was clan knowledge. Huh. No, no. He said it was Grey Council. Yeah. Yeah, because their security was still, (laughs) their security just kept on doing what they were doing. (laughs) Yeah. Because they didn't know what to do else, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Anyways, Kaylin frames Delenn and John's relationship as an old Mimbari tradition where they would arrange a marriage between the two sides of the war. And she's just like, whatever helps you sleep at night, I'm going back to B5. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff she's in gonna here. She's going to let them have this. Yeah. There's a lot in here about, well, you know, we don't have racial purity and I'm part Valen, which means I'm part human. And she's throwing that around real casually with Lanier. Like, mm-hmm. we know Sinclair is Valen. Like, fuck off. I think that would yeah. be earth shattering like for that, for anyone in their society to know that Valen was a human. Yeah. She's kind of approaching it. Like that's already common knowledge with this person in her clan. Right. Yeah. And I would not think that to be the case. Yeah. That is a good point. I don't know. And you would think he would want some kind of proof or, you know, I guess maybe she's reported it back, but I would hope that, you know, maybe we'd establish that in an earlier episode where she goes and talks to somebody. Something. And establishes it with her people. Yeah. That this is true. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, she's like, fuck off. I'm going back to B5. We see Marcus and Franklin suffering each other's company and coach as he sings the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I hope whatever you're watching on didn't skip episodes too quick. Skip to the no. next one. So that you could hear Franklin screaming. Yeah. That was fun. This is real cute. I enjoyed this a lot. <laughs> That's our episode. How do you feel How about this How did you this feel one? about oh. this one? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> this is a good episode. It's a lot of setup for the Mimbari stuff that's coming down the road. It almost feels like an out-of-place footnote. I don't know where else you would put this episode. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like it belongs here, but also can't belong anywhere else. Yeah, it is kind of strange like that. Yeah, I don't, I really don't know what, so I guess I'm going to go with a 3.5. Not, it's not okay. quite a 4, but it's still a good episode. It just felt a little off to me. Yeah, I definitely agree that it felt a little off. It was like almost a bottle episode in a way. Yeah. Because it didn't do too much to the things that are around it. It sent Franklin and Marcus off to start the next episode, basically. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of wrapped up some ends with the Membari, So it wasn't totally bottle episode. It had effects on the things around it. I was actually kind of a little bit bored with the Membari stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this episode took uh, me I don't know a why. lot longer to get through on my notes watch than the next one did, for sure. Yeah, I don't know why, it just didn't grab me. And I was ready to give this thing a two. And then we got to that final scene, and Marcus is singing Modern Major, Modern Major General. Yeah. <laughs> and we bring it into the credits as a little gag, mm-hmm. which this show doesn't do things like that often, like no. into the credits. We always hear the Christopher Frank music. Yeah, But it brought in the the Marcus singing and Franklin screaming and... I was just so charmed by that. And then, you know, the interesting stuff with the, the props and, you know, the, the stuff with the Minbari is important stuff. Yeah. It's important lore. I don't know. I just kind of wish it, maybe maybe it was something about the 
color palette of all those scenes or you know the the smoky fogginess mm-hmm. or the pacing it was just for me it was very slow and i wasn't super grabbed by all of that and i honestly didn't remember it from the yeah. first time i'm sure i saw it because i do remember franklin and marcus's little spy adventures starting off but it just didn't grab me so yeah. i i Bring it up to three because it had some of that classic Babylon 5 charm yeah. that I love. And good lore. Mm-hmm. But it almost was down there in two territory for me. I mean, I will say it's pretty normal for me when I'm taking my notes. You know, like a 40-minute 40 epi- 40 episode of Babylon 5 uses usually about an hour and a half affair for me to get through a notes watch. Sure. To like yeah. sit here, write my notes, write the script, do the thing for this episode of podcast. Give or take hour and a half, two hours. This one took me like three. But a lot of that was just like, oh, I'm bored. So like I get up, I make coffee. You know, like I get up from the living room. While I'm making coffee, I'm all like, you know, the stove's a little uneven. You know, I redid this kitchen a year ago. You know, I'm like looking at pictures on Facebook. It's been a year since I've been in my new house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, I never did level the stove properly. And so when I use this burner, my favorite burner, the oil kind of sides to one side of the pan a little bit, I should probably level it. I'm just going to pull out the stove and do that right now. Like literally yeah. anything but continue this episode to take notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I, I attributed that to my mind state at the time and it just being saturday morning and it being a busy work week and me just being done with what being fit not like forced to do things but ready to relax a little and not do things that are of a mandatory nature yeah like a requirement somehow you just want to have some free time free play exactly and this episode was not fulfilling that for me so i just kind of attributed to that but knowing that you had similar issues with this episode Maybe maybe it is the episode's <laughs> fault. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's pacing or, or something about the, the visuals. It just didn't grab me as hard yeah. as some other episodes. Speaking of other episodes, maybe ones that are going to grab me. Why don't you tell me about the next one? We got season four, episode 10, Racing Mars. Sheridan clashes with Garibaldi. I, I would probably word that the other way around. Franklin and Marcus <laughs> encounter trouble near the Mars Resistance Camp. That's our whole episode description. Yeah. It sounds like it's getting good, though. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank Jeremy Siegel for our lovely, lovely theme music. Thank you, Jeremy, for putting that together for us. We truly appreciate it. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com and on streaming platforms as Nuclear Jaguar. <laughs> Second pronunciation take, yep. yeah. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. Thank you, Aaron, for editing our podcast. Uh, truly appreciate all the effort you put into making sure that this is a listenable show that people laugh at and not just rambling for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> You're the real MVP. <laughs> and finally, thank you, listener, for choosing to spend your time with Laura and I as we go over Babylon 5. It truly means the world to us. You can email us, whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. I still check Twitter occasionally. We have a Facebook, but Discord is where it's at. Hop on our Discord, interact with our community there. It's a great time. We'll see you next week, Internet. Yeah, thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. Bye.